So please stay and have a snack with us. It's also great to see the sun coming in the windows, isn't it? I love that it's getting brighter. Uh, so tonight, it's, it's, it's kind of fitting that we're going to be talking about uh, a little bit of light and a little bit of darkness. We're going to be talking about spiritual blindness. Uh, in John chapter 9, Jesus is, is talking to his disciples and, and, and sharing with them some, some, some truths that are a little bit difficult for us. You know, as we've been going through in Lent this series that I've just called The Cost, I've kind of modeled it after the name of the famous Bonhoeffer book, The Cost of Discipleship, going through the book of John and talking about the difficult things Jesus sometimes says to his disciples, the hard teaching he has and the things that we must sort of reconcile. And last week, if you remember, if you were here, uh, was about the love God has for us and the liberation of sin. Jesus says that if we sin once, we become a slave to it and that we need to be liberated from that sin. And so tonight we talk about the next, uh, people don't like talking about sin, and, and even more, I'm convinced people also don't like to talk about judgment. But that's what we're going to talk about tonight, judgment. Tonight is about what happens when those people walk away from Jesus, and tonight is about what happens when people don't hear the words of Jesus. And so we're going to be in John chapter 9, and uh, I would like to, before we read our passage, just sort of give you a summary uh, for what's happening. The background is, is this. At the beginning of the chapter, Jesus heals a man born blind. It's the famous story of when they're walking and they see the man begging. And, and Jesus and his, or his disciples turn to him and say to Jesus, Jesus, who, who sinned that this man was born blind? Him or his parents? In the ancient world, it was very common for people to think that something as, as a birth defect would have been the result of sin, would have been the punishment of God in some way. And so they asked this question. I think they were really genuinely wondering, hey, why does stuff like this happen, Jesus? Well, why, why, why does this thing happen? And Jesus answers them, but he doesn't answer them in the way they thought. He says that it, it's, it's not because this man sinned or his parents, but that God should be glorified. And he turns it into a great teaching moment. He spits down in the dirt, makes a little mud, puts it on the guy's eyes. And says, hey, go go over there and wash in that pool, and and you'll be made well. And the people are amazed. And the Pharisees, though, they wonder, what is going on here? Who is this guy? Who who is this person that does this thing, and, 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 and by what authority? And so the Pharisees call him into question. They, they, they bring this formerly blind man in, uh, in, in before the the council, and they say, hey, what's going on? Tell, me, tell us about what happened. And so, in verses 13 to 34, they tell him. He says, hey, this guy, Jesus, he healed me. He spit and made mud, and I was made well. And they say, well, wait a minute. This guy heals on the Sabbath? How could a sinner perform such signs? He must be a sinner. There's no way Jesus could do something so wonderful because he did... He, he doesn't keep the Sabbath? They don't believe him. Something is amiss. So, so what do they do? They get his parents. They get the blind man's parents, and they bring his parents before the Pharisees. And, and the parents say, yes, this is our son. Yes, he was born blind. No, we don't know how it happened. Why don't you ask him? And so the Pharisees, I mean, it, it's almost like a comedy. And so the Pharisees then go get the guy again, and they bring him in before, and they say, okay, blind guy. We know Jesus can't do this. 
and your parents have testified that, yes, you were born blind, and yes, you have been healed. So, and it actually says this, it says, give glory to God in verse 24. They said, we know this man is a sinner. It's almost like when you're a kid and you get in trouble, and your parents have caught you, and they know you're in trouble. And they say something like, do the right thing and just tell the truth. Maybe you guys didn't get that as much as I did, but I felt like that was every day. Sam, just listen, we know. I told you guys how bad of a liar I was as a kid a couple of weeks ago. We know you did something wrong. Just, just tell the truth. And every so often, though, we know we're telling the truth and people don't believe us. And it, drives, it used to drive me crazy. It only happened a couple of times in my whole life. But it happened. And I remember one time, very, very specific, and mom saying, Sam, tell the truth. And I'm just I am telling the truth. How much more simply can I put it? And this is exactly what happens with this guy. He says, listen, I already told you. How can I tell you another way? He spit, he made mud, I can see. And the Pharisees say, well, uh, how is this possible? And, and, and he responds with, why do you ask? Do you too want to become his disciples? It's, it's a little bit antagonistic. And they sort of get in an argument and they say, you know what, we're done with you. We don't care that a great miracle was performed. We don't care if you're a walking testimony of God's power and God's goodness. Get out of here. And they kick him out. And it brings us to our scripture for tonight. The difference between physical sight and spiritual sight. And the difference between blindness and spiritual blindness. So our text for tonight is John 9, 35 to 41. Please read along with me. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. The man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So... (laughs) So it's great. There's so many things I love about Jesus. And one of the things I see here that just reminds me of all the things I love is that he hears this guy gets thrown out and he goes and seeks him out. I don't know if this is how Jesus works with you, but it seems to me that Jesus always knows when we need to have a conversation. And he goes and sits him down and and says, hey, listen, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man, to his credit, doesn't try to pretend he knows what he's talking about. He doesn't try to give him the answer even though he may not be sure. He just gives an honest answer. And he says, who is he? Tell me so that I can believe in him. I'd like to know. What's amazing about Jesus, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, is that Jesus gives grace to the humble. When we come to Christ and when people come to Christ in honesty and in openness and in truth, he is very gracious. He is always gracious to people. But when people come to Jesus with arrogance and with pride, lacking humility, he gives them the law and he sends them away. And this man, 
who's such a great example of faithfulness, is sought out by Jesus. Jesus goes and gets him, just like Jesus went and got so many of us. And he seeks wisdom from God, and he just says, tell me, I would love to know. Doesn't approach Jesus with an attitude. He's like the woman at the well, or like Zacchaeus. Not like, you know, the Pharisees or Nicodemus who come to him with pride, trying to prove their their self-worth and their knowledge, as we've talked about in recent weeks. And the result is clear. Verse 37 and 38 says, Jesus says, you have now seen him. He's totally open with this man. He says, you've seen him. You've seen the Son of Man, and in fact, he is the one speaking with you. And he believed. Just like that, the blind man now probably had something to do with the fact that a miracle was just performed. But just like that, he believes. On the one hand, I think this Christian thing is pretty easy. Sometimes it seems just that simple, doesn't it? Believe. And I think of the thief on the cross as we get ready for Easter. The thief on the cross is a great example that we don't have to earn the favor of God in any special way. All we do is believe. The man on the cross, the thief next to Jesus, just says, remember me. He didn't couldn't act, he couldn't serve, he couldn't take communion, he couldn't get baptized, he couldn't memorize scripture. He could, all he did was sat there next to Jesus and died. And yet Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Sometimes it's just as simple as believing. But then Jesus, in his own special way, adds to it. Jesus says, this is great, now you believe and now you are worshiping, so let me tell you a truth. Let me tell you a truth that will challenge you, that will grow your faith. Let me tell you a truth that will make you stronger. And so he does. He says, for judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. The story was so much nicer before he said that. And here we have this blind guy, blind from birth, gets sight, believes in Jesus, and and it's all just so nice and neat and tidy and so great. And then Jesus says this line that shows us the cost of following him. For judgment I have come into this world. See, as we talk about the gospel of John and the cost of following Jesus, this is it. He looks at this man and all the people who witnessed this miracle, and he says, this is what it takes to follow me. This is what it takes. He challenges each of us where we need to be challenged, what we think we know and we actually don't know. And as we've talked about and as we see with the blind man, we have to be open and honest with Jesus. See, many people, they want Jesus to only be loving and affectionate. They want Jesus to only be comforting. They want Jesus to only have this one side. And when they hear him say things like this, for judgment I have come to the world, it puts them off. And they get nervous. And they immediately think of all of the sins and all the things they can be judged for, and they get scared. And judgment, actually, to to the world's credit, the world doesn't like judgment. (laughs) I mean, we all do it. We all judge in one way or another. But but aside from the small, petty judgments, you know, like uh, what I would, if you've ever seen the movie, The Mean Girls Judgments, uh, aside from just little petty things day to day that we try not to do, but we do, or we see someone dressed a certain way, or we see someone not, you know, aside from those things, if you really think about the deep things of life, 
right? The really big things. Religion. How people really choose to live their life. It's offensive. How dare someone judge you? How dare someone tell you what's right and what's wrong? How dare someone come into your life and tell you that you ought to do something different? What's funny about judgment, though, is it, it, it's inherently kind of a contradiction. Because, see, if you're judgmental and you judge other people, someone's going to judge you for being too judgmental. And then that person who says, how dare you be so judgmental? Why are you judging me? When you, you see what I'm saying? It's, it's sort of this weird circle that no one ever wins in. Everyone's just judging everyone else, and everyone gets mad, and the world gets all bent out of shape, because judgments are bad. And actually, psychologically, they've proven in in modern psychology and all these different things, actually talk about people who are really judgment have really unhealthy psyches. One of the biggest struggles of the, the rise of depression in the West comes from this comes from just constantly judging and constantly making decisions and things like social media where we're constantly judging other people in their lives. It's actually, psychologists say it's not good for us. It's not good for our well-being. And on top of all of that, historically, this is why many people, if you talk to them and if you ask them, why have you rejected Jesus or why have you rejected Christianity, it's because Christians are too judgmental. Someone somewhere along the way who claimed the name of Christ hurt them or judged them or hurt their feelings. Christians are far too judgmental often. And Jesus deals with this. Jesus deals with this very clearly. He talks much more about judgment in Luke chapter 6. Will you turn there with me? I I really want to talk about this uh, so that we can understand what Jesus is saying when he says, I come to judge when he said, as for judgment, I have come into this world. In Luke chapter 6, it starts in verse 37. He talks about judging others. And many of you will remember and, and, and be familiar with some of what he says here. He says this in verse 37. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when you yourself... Fail to see the plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. See, Jesus says, judgment is my job. Why are you guys worrying yourself with this? Why would you? He he says it outright. Do not judge. Don't do it. And he gives this great analogy that I absolutely love. I, I find it really funny. I probably shouldn't. I'm the kind of person who laughs when people fall down. But he says in verse 39, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they both not fall into a pit? I, I picture these, you know, the blind leading the blind. And then, uh, What is it with Jerusalem that there's like big holes everywhere? And they're walking around and this is like a major problem for blind people. <laughs> Sorry, I, I shouldn't laugh at the thought of blind people falling into a hole, but it, it makes me laugh. Jesus says, listen, why are you judging? This is my job. Why are you concerned with what's happening around you? You hypocrites. And I look at this and I realize, I say, wow. 
Jesus, you've just made my job even easier. You've taken the burden of me holding up other people around me. That's your job. So then what do I control? Well, it's simple. It's what we've been told since we were little kids. All I can control is what I do, is what I say, is what I think, how I act. And then people will see Christ in us when we control ourselves. We don't have to worry about those judgments. Jesus said, I'll take that. He says, it is for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see. And I want to talk about this idea of judgment because, again, just two points I want to make because many people, as soon as you talk about judgment, will say, that's why I'm not a Christian. They're so judgmental. God is such a judgmental God. Two things I want to mention. One, for those who reject the Bible for being too judgmental, it's pretty simple. When people struggle with God being too judgmental, they're simply just saying, who is God to judge me? Well, God is God and you are not. Um, it, if you'd like um, biblical reference for this, just turn to the end of the book of Job. When Job finally gets so fed up with his friends, that he turns to God and says, God, I just need an answer. And God says, that's great. I will answer your questions. I will. As soon as you tell me how I made the stars. Tell me, if you were there and you were so great, tell me how I filled the oceans. And then Job shuts up and says, you're right, I'm sorry, you're God, I'm not. So for those who reject the Bible for being too judgmental, what people like to do is they like to lower God to the status of humanity. And they say, well, God, how can you judge me? Well, God's not a person. God is the creator, not the creation, and therefore it's different. And I know it's sort of like not a, it's like saying, well, the Bible's true because the Bible says so. Uh, it's not a great argument. But the second point I want to make is this, is if we try to take away that, definit, that divinity of God, if we try to make God like us and say, well, God, can't, God shouldn't be so judgmental, if we take away judgment of Jesus and just focus on his message of love and kindness and charity, that's good for a while, but it won't last. If you just try to live for Jesus for, for, for the sake of just being a good person and trying to be like Jesus, it makes the gospel ineffective and weak. What I mean by that is this. The strength of truth and absolute truth is that no matter how dig you deep, or how deep you dig, excuse me, how deep you dig, it's still true. And so if you take away the judgment, and you take away the judgment of God and the judgment of Jesus, then the love becomes much less miraculous. Because there's no judgment to counterbalance it. And likewise, if you take away the love of Jesus and you only focus on the judgment of God, then it becomes vindictive and dictatorial. God becomes a dictator. And if we take away the judgment, then God is just weak and ineffective because he's not a just God. And so judgment, whether we like it or not, is part of the message of Jesus Christ. And what's great about judgment is that Jesus does it and it brings us to repentance. Jesus comes to us and says, listen, let me show you where you've misstepped. Let me show you how I can love you in the midst of your weakness. Let's look back at the blind man. His whole life he was treated as a sinner or a child of sinners. His whole life he would have been looked down upon by the elite. And he didn't deserve what happened to him. He was just born blind. And Jesus came to him and offered help. And when Jesus came to him and offered help, it wasn't a miraculous, instantaneous. The man had to, after Jesus spit and made the mud, and put it, the man still had to get up and go wash and trust that this would happen. 
Jesus really likes going to the outcasts. After he was cast out by the ruling officials, even in the midst of this miracle, Jesus goes to him and says, let's talk. This man had spent his whole life as an outcast, and he probably was so excited. And when given the choice to speak poorly of Jesus or to be in the in crowd for the first time ever, he decides, I don't want to speak poorly of this Jesus. And he gets kicked right back out. And yet Jesus comes to him asking for faith and belief the same way he comes to us. Jesus comes to the blind man the same way he came to you and said, follow me. Jesus came to him the same way he came to his disciples and said, put down your nets and I will make you fishers of men. And it worked. The man believed and worshipped in Jesus. And so when the man is given a choice, he chooses wisely. I want to remind us tonight that even though Jesus does come with the power of God and the power of God's judgment behind him, that Jesus also gives us sight. He reveals truth in all of its depth and complexity. Like we read in the Psalms, it's God that brings light to the dark places of our life. Jesus opens our eyes to see the world and to see the color of it. I thought about this man for a while. And if you've ever done it, I really like it. It's just a model of reading scripture where you try to imagine kind of if you were there or if if you were that person, what you would think and what you would feel. And, and, And think about this. What if you were born blind? Or what if you had a friend who was born blind and asked you to describe colors? What would you, how, how would you describe colors? Or, or uh, make it more simple. How would you describe the ocean to someone born blind? And this man, when he gives his life to Christ, and he believes and is made well and, and, and goes out on faith to Jesus and does what Jesus says, think about how rich his world became. Think about how he saw colors for the first time. Think about him walking through a market and seeing all the different colors of spices and tapestries for the first time. Think about the first night he could see the first sunset he ever saw. Think about the first time he saw the ocean, having only heard it or heard about it his whole life. Jesus opens our eyes, brothers and sisters. Jesus brings color and depth and understanding to our worlds. When you look at the difference of this blind man who was rejected, who was kicked out with the Pharisees, they were at the top of the heap. They ruled Jerusalem. They ruled the Hebrew world. And yet, Jesus says they could not see. And because they claimed to be able to see, their guilt remained and they will be made blind. But because this man trusted Jesus, he was able to see. I bet he really enjoyed life after that. And Jesus, after this, in in, in chapter 10, I would encourage you all to read it this week, goes into the the passage on, on him being the good shepherd and us being his sheep. And even though Jesus comes to judge, and even though Jesus comes to separate those who believe from those who do not believe, for those who believe, he says that he is our shepherd and that he loves us so dearly, that he cares for us, that he guides us. But Jesus creates division in the world. In John 10, chapter, or verse 20, it says that, How could this man do these things? He must be demon possessed. 
And then in 21, the other side says, but how could someone who's demon-possessed do these things? Jesus draws some pretty hard lines. But the cost of following Jesus as a disciple is opening our lives to him. As we, as we read in the psalm, having God shine light in our lives. Having him bring light to the dark places of our lives. The cost is admitting we are blind and we need Jesus to open our eyes to see the world for what it really is. And sometimes as a pastor, it's so funny because I feel like I'm being so repetitive. I feel like every week it comes down to it and I'm just like, just trust Jesus. Just trust Jesus that Jesus is the way and if that's the case, I'm sorry. But if I have to say something over and over, let it be the gospel of Jesus Christ and that we are blind and Jesus gives us sight. I mean, just imagine. I can't, it makes me so happy to think about how much fun that guy had exploring the world after this. Christ makes our lives infinitely better by bringing light to the darkness. When we run to Jesus, we see things as they really are for the first time. But if we claim to see everything without Christ, it will only make us blind. If we claim to have an understanding of the world and to hold on to control and power and pride without Jesus, we will only become more and more blind. But if we give up the judgments and the power and the control, we'll see for the first time. Only Christ can bring us this light. And only light will bring true life. Please pray with me. Lord, I want to see... Lord, I confess that I want to see more. I want to see more color. I want to see more vibrance. I want to see the world as you see it. Lord, we pray now as your church that you would open our eyes to the needs of the world, to see people as you see them, as sons and daughters of the King. May we love and care for each other more. May we love and care for your creation more. May we see the light and the colors of this world and know they reflect your love. Father, and when we sin, and when we control, and when we do that which we ought not do, Father, I pray that we would allow you in your love to shine light on the dark places of our hearts. May we find freedom for our souls in you. And may it be in the light of Christ.